It is Friday indeed right now. It's not so bad, but maybe come Sunday, not so good. Yes. Before the 72 hours from now, some of us might not be making it to work. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually I, was, I thought about that. If this if this hits say late Sunday, what's going to happen at three in the morning when we got to pull well, our cars out? Uh, I'm guessing we might have to make alternate arrangements. Snow do uh, I think Randy Parker over at Power ninety seven has snowshoes. Perfect. It's the Power Toboggan Championships in Beausjour. Maybe we could count on one of those guys to zip over, pick <laughs> us up, bring us into work Monday morning. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, we'll we'll speak with Adriana Jung uh, later on this morning, and you'll hear from her all morning. We have. Has anybody officially deemed it a Colorado low? Yeah, it's in the the special weather statement. That, oh. uh, that's one of the the things they're watching because there is a disturbance coming in from the west from Saskatchewan, and then they are also watching what is being described as a Colorado low. Uh, Yeah, a much more significant system. This is right from Environment Canada's website, weather.gc.ca. Weather disturbance from Saskatchewan will spread some accumulating snow into southern Manitoba this weekend. A much more significant system, a Colorado low, will approach southern Manitoba late Sunday this winter storm will bring a prolonged period of heavy snow, strong wind, and blowing snow to much of southern Manitoba starting Sunday night and possibly persisting into Tuesday. Hooray! <laughs> oh, my goodness. Sorry. Pardon me. I stopped talking just as Greg had to cough. Oh. Sorry, man. No, and I just look at this and I go, persisting into Tuesday. That's nothing I hadn't read. But what I did read and I did hear overnight, I uh, tend to listen to radio from all across North America while I'm supposed to be sleeping. And I was listening to California radio, and they're talking about five feet of snow at the top of the Sierra Nevada. And this seems to be that same system sort of originating on the Pacific Ocean coming up over the Sierra Nevada, the Rocky Mountains, Colorado, boom, like it's fast moving. They have a nor'easter, as they call it, happening in uh, New England area, Boston, expecting a ton of snow over the next couple days. So bad weather, in addition to what's happening in Europe, uh, just goofy stuff. Yeah, it is goofy. uh, And uh, we've essentially gotten away with it most of the winter. I remember last winter, we spent a lot of time talking about plowing. There was so much discussion about plowing because they were always out having to plow, and we haven't talked about that once this year. There has not been one single full residential plow of the city of Winnipeg this winter. It looks as though that streak is in all likelihood going to come to an end. It's about six, seven million bucks, I think, now to plow the entire city. So we've been saving money uh, only to spend it, I guess, in March. We'll see how it goes. Keep it locked here. We will uh, be keeping an eye on this and sending you all the details, sharing them with you as we get them. Did the declared snow road parking ban ever take effect either? That's the one. So the snow road ban is in effect all season. It just ended on the 28th. That's the one where you can't park in a snow road from 2 a.m. until 7 a.m. Right. They can. They have the ability to have a declared snow road parking ban where they increase that from midnight to seven. I don't think that happened once. I believe you're correct. I'm not certain on that, but I don't remember seeing that notification either. So of course, now that the snow road ban is over, yes, snow. So you might want to know your zone heading into next week. Yeah.
yeah, something that you didn't think you were going to have to worry about. Hey, we talked about the fact that ride sharing services became legal yesterday. Mm-hmm. In about 50 minutes time, it is my intention to take my first ride sharing experience. Pardon me? Um, yeah, I'm going to slip out and I'm going to go get us some coffee, some Timbits, uh, in a tap car. Really? I have my ride booked. Sorry to spring this on you. I have okay. my ride booked. I'm going to be leaving for a little while in the middle of the program, but I have uh, equipment set aside so that I can join you after 7 o'clock and uh, chit-chat about ride-sharing while I'm in a ride-share. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully I w- hopefully the drive, does the, this driver know that? I left a little bit of a note. Okay. Yes. I mean, I, I like it to be authentic when I do stuff like that, but it's not fair to sideswipe someone. Could be their very first, very first pickup. Just wanted to let them know, work with CGOB Radio, and uh, this is part of a little bit of an experiment that we're doing. So we're looking forward to finding out about that experience. How long did it take you to download the app? Because you clearly had to download the app, set up a profile. I would imagine, did you have to put in any financial particulars? Put in a credit card. And it took all, they sent me a verification text message so that I could get into their system. It took all of about six minutes. Wow. Very easy, quite simple. The uh, interface, very user-friendly. And now that I'm in the system, they call it tap car because in two taps, as they say, I can book a ride. Open the app and then just let them know, hey, pick me up here. And if you want to book for a certain time, you can do that. Or you can book it for you know, ASAP, essentially. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I I like that kind of user interface that all of these apps have now. I know that Unicity, for example, I haven't mm-hmm. tried the Duffy's app, if they've got one, but Unicity, I know, is very similar. You open it up, book now, it recognizes the address, you can watch the, ca- you can, once your cab has been, has answered the call, you can see them coming. So that's cool. Uh, then you get to skip the line if you're, or not skip the line, but you don't have to wait on the phone for God knows how long. Oh yeah. And uh, the the only the only dicey thing, and we'll have to see if that's what happens with Tapcar, is sometimes the Unicity app. I guess whenever it updates, then I have to re-enter my password. I have like a thousand passwords in my head, and typically the time where I am using their services at say I don't know two two thirty in the morning. Recall might, isn't the best. Yeah, there there <laughs> might be some lack of mental faculties that would allow me to remember the password. <laughs> Write it down on your hand. <laughs> <laughs> Just got a whole hundred passwords on my forearm. Hey, nice tattoos, Brett. No, those are all my passwords. <laughs> He's already been charged for his tap car. Car's not even here yet. He's already got a bill. The 90th annual Academy Awards are set for this Sunday. Jimmy Kimmel is back to host once again. Ryan Seacrest will be on the red carpet. We'll see if anybody will speak with him. This year, nine films vying for Best Picture with 24 categories in total, most of which will make you want to go to sleep. Uh, Today we're having coffee, talking how many of the 2018 Oscar-nominated films have you seen, and how many are there in total, Jeff Braun? Uh, I counted the list. I got 59. 59 films that are recognized in one category or another? Right. That's uh, impressive. You're good for you, Jeff. I I looked over and I saw Jeff kind of 
like huddled down in his desk, <laughs> looked like he was deep in thought. And don't forget, that's not that's not including the technical awards that were given out earlier this month yeah, by those Patrick don't Stewart. Count. Yeah, <laughs> those really don't count. Uh, to what's the people the, who earn them, they do. Well, <laughs> an Oscar enough. is an Oscar. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Well, we shouldn't be dismissive of such things, of awards that uh, none of us will ever hold, see, or accept. That's what you think. Oh no, no! You're oh, right. we've got secret, secret no. aspirations. Right you don't know movie. about Omel. <laughs> uh, just uh, hey, anyway, uh, I'm going to kind of step back from this because I did mine real quick here. It didn't take me long. I've seen part of or all <laughs> of exactly four films on this. List. I beat Greg. Christian's wow. got you beaten. He never goes to the movies, and so. I've seen five. Good for you. Look yeah, at that. Let's I, go with Jeff Bond. I've seen 18. Yeah. 18 of the Oscar yeah. films. Yeah. Okay. All nine best pictures. And then, uh, you know, you get the visual effects and that sort of thing where you get your Guardians of the Galaxy and King Kong and Planet of the Apes and Star Wars. So. You mean you haven't seen the documentary short Knife Skills? Nobody has. Okay. That's the frustrating thing about the Oscars is like 45 minutes of that broadcast is gives a, you know, is the live action, the short films and the documentaries and the foreign, foreign language. And just no one's seen any of those movies. You couldn't if you wanted to. Yeah, maybe a place like Cinematheque would yeah. uh, show some of this stuff, but I would like to. Or uh, some I, of these movies I would really like to see, but I don't know where to get, where to get my hands on them. Nowadays, sometimes they are on Netflix, depending on when they're originally released or whatever. So so when you were marching towards the seeing all nine Best Picture nominees, which you've been diligently doing for the last few weeks, mm-hmm. did you ever feel like when you got one done that you couldn't quite enjoy it because you knew you still had to, two more to get to? Like you were on this mission that you had to complete. Uh, the last couple, uh, especially the last one I saw, Darkest Hour, was, was my least favorite. And I, I was just... Like, I don't even want to watch this movie. I just need to, <laughs> to go nine for nine, so I'll, I'll watch it. Okay. Oldman was awesome, though. I watched it last night. Yeah, he's good in it, but I don't know. It wasn't that great a movie. Okay. So, Channel Lee, how many have you seen? Uh, you know, I, I'm ashamed to say I've only seen five of them. Okay. And it's, I feel like I haven't gotten to the movies a lot lately. I saw Get Out, which I saw that at home. I think it was on one of the movie channels, and it, it was surprising. It was very good. I saw the Star Wars. I saw Logan, Kong Skull Island on the on the movie channel, which was not that great. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy too. But there's movies I want to see, and I have them circled. But I I don't have people to go to the movies with, so I have to start go going alone. by myself. I have that's what I have to do. I have to start going by myself. I want to see I Tanya, Phantom Thread, Lady Bird, and of course The Shape of Water. And I actually looked, and The Shape of Water is playing at Grant Park at twelve forty. So I, I love I, I going m- to the movies alone. I might do that after work and enjoy like those t- new seats. I like you're talking to people anyway during the movie. That's true. It is awkward. I do find it awkward to go on a bin off like a Saturday night when the theater is full. But if you have a like a matinee, perfect. And mo- many of the people in the theater will be there by themselves, so you won't be alone. Jerry, I saw Superman Return six times by myself. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> six times. Six times. Oh my God. So what have you seen, Jerry? I know you, you've got the ballot in your hand. Yeah, I do. I've seen two. Okay, which I've, ones? I've seen Logan and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. However, uh, by the end of tonight, I'll have seen three because Jeff Braun lent me his copy of Get Out. Okay. Uh, so Get out. Is, is is that five ninety nine a night or just for the weekend? <laughs> uh, yeah, you got to bring it back by noon tomorrow or you're in trouble. And don't forget uh. to rewind it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I've seen two. I think I win. Which ones have you seen, Christian? I've seen Lady Bird, The Post, Baby Driver, The Big Sick, and The Disaster Artist. Those are good. Yeah, those are good movies. Yeah, well, 
I'm one of the couch potatoes. I've seen two of the Best Picture nominees. Wow. I just got out of Jeff's way. He was on a mission. Okay. I've done this in years past. And you where saw I tried. Dunkirk by accident. I did. Yeah. I went because I, I did How the intro. Happen? You know, sometimes they have those uh, those special screeners ahead of time where you can win, the contests where you can win passes. Sure. So I had to walk over to the theater over here, Scotiabank Theater, and do the intro. And uh, I just stayed to watch it because it was, it's not even, I think it's an hour and a half. Yeah, it's a short one. Okay. So I figured out, oh, I'll just watch it. And it was amazing, particularly on the big screen. So I have Good. seen Dunkirk and Get Out. And uh, the rest of the time I spend uh, is watching TV mostly. I've seen movies that Brett hasn't. You I saw have, Baby Driver? I've seen six other films. I saw no. Star Wars, The Last Jedi, Baby Driver, Guardians of the Galaxy, Kong Skull Island, Blade Runner 2049, which is nominated for five Oscars, and Logan, which I forgot. Thank you for the reminder, Shanley. I forgot that Logan was Oscar nominated for good. Best Adapted yeah. Screenplay. So, Greg, you've seen how many? Uh, I just revised my list, nine. Nine. Whoa! Yeah. How many? You missed like four. Yeah. <laughs> Which ones did you see? I've been obsessed with this <laughs> uh, whole tap car thing. Uh, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy, Star Wars, War for Planet of the Apes, Get Out, Dunkirk, uh, Darkest Hour, and then uh, forgot that I'd seen The Big Sick and Boss Baby was actually on oh, in my no. house for a little while. So I'm gonna count that. <laughs> it still counts. I heard you it. it by osmosis. I, I heard it. I didn't really watch it, but I'm gonna count it. And a uh, movie that we watched. I I think just last weekend, and I loved it, was Wonder. It's up for a makeup and hairstyling award. Julia Roberts, Owen Wilson, and uh, oh, who's the little Jacob kid? Jacob Tremblay. Oh, he was so good, so wow. adorable. Great movie. Uh, very suitable for family view viewing times five. Yeah, so the, I think the interesting thing here, thing here, though, the common theme is that uh, outside of Jeff, who did it uh, for a very specific reason, partly, well, partly for the couch potatoes and just partly because he loves uh -huh. going, watching movies. It's but, also because I have to watch the Oscars, and that's it, a much more tolerable thing to watch if you've seen all the movies. Good point. Uh, but the Oscars often are representative of movies that many of us have largely not seen. There's always a group of movies or a group of people who will go out to see the movies once the nominations come out. Right. Um, but other than that, yeah, the, the Oscars, I find, are not necessarily in touch with what most people are watching. And here's the thing. The people uh, voting for the Oscars, you think they've seen all the movies? Probably no, not. You know what? Really good point, Shanley. Just got a text here. The Phantom Thread. Daniel Day-Lewis has a truckload of nominations, but is a snooze fest of epic proportions, depending on what you like. But it's, it's very slow moving. the third best movie of the year, but whatever. In a painful way. <laughs> two hours, ten minutes of my life I'll never get back. It was one of the sleepiest DDL movies I think I've ever seen. Haha, but if you like period dramas, it's one to see. So thank you very much, Shannon Levadell, Christian O'Mel, Jeff Braun, and Behind the Glass Jerry. Avengers Infinity War is opening a week earlier. It was set to open the first week of May, and Marvel had, and Disney have decided to open it on April 27th, which is act actually fairly unprecedented because Marvel has had the first weekend of May for the last, basically since the Marvel Cinematic Universe started 10 years ago. They always claim that first weekend in May, but they, I think, elected to bump it up a week to try to just get take advantage of extra box office because... May also has movies like Deadpool 2 and then Solo, a Star Wars story. So there you go. Avengers Infinity War opening a week earlier on April 27th. Now, Greg Mackling is not in the studio with me right now. He is outside waiting for his tap car. 
He ordered a tap car this morning. He downloaded the app, Tap Car, one of the new ride-sharing services operating here in Winnipeg as of today. He downloaded the app at around 6 a.m., made his order for 6.58, and he's been down there waiting for a little while. He's already been charged for this. He got his receipt, charged 15 bucks. He's going to go to the Tim Hortons, get himself uh, probably a steep tea, I would imagine. There's a car that just actually left the parking lot. I wonder if that was him. I don't know. We're trying to wait to see if we can see this car coming in. But in the meantime, we heard from Pascal Rifle, who is the spokesperson for Tapcar. We heard from Pascal at 645 in conversation with Hal Anderson yesterday afternoon. Also yesterday afternoon, the Taxi Coalition responded. The Winnipeg Community Taxi Coalition. Scott McFadden is the spokesperson. He spoke with Julie Buckingham and Richard Cloutier on the news last night on 680 CJOB, talking about some of the things that create what they call the taxi advantage in Winnipeg, pointing to things like how taxi cabs have access to diamond lanes, which they say makes them faster than rideshare. McFadden also talked about enhanced customer service training. So we've been taking our drivers off the road uh, 40 at a time uh, over the past uh, few weeks. Uh, and, um, um, you know, with an emphasis... Uh, on um, uh, on tourism training, and you know we, we you know we're the first face that that visitors have to the city, and and so we really want to take advantage of this, and you know be be great tourist ambassadors for the city. They've also created a community advisory council. Here's some detail on that. This council is going to look at the real issues that impact Winnipegers. And, uh, you know, these are uh, big issues. So we're going to be looking at truth and reconciliation, you know, complaints process. Uh, We're going to be undergoing a thorough policy review of, of how we conduct our business. And, you know, we're going to be signing on to the city's Indigenous Accord. And, you know, that means that in a year we have to make a report back to the city on progress we've made on uh, truth and reconciliation. So, you know, we recognize uh, that, uh, uh, you know, Winnipeggers, um, you know, want a great taxi service. We've heard what they've had to say about our our industry. And, you know, we we truly believe that we provide a a better service and and have what we're calling the taxi advantage uh, over rideshare. Scott, one of the ride-sharing companies that I had an opportunity to speak to earlier this week, I'll be honest, I thought, well, that's a really good idea. They are going to give customers an option to select a female driver. Is that something that you could deliver? We know there's a lot of women in this community that are leery of getting into a taxi with a male driver. You know, certainly that's something that the Community Advisory Council will be looking at. Um, you know, what the public needs to understand about the taxi industry is, is that, uh, you know, our drivers, uh, prior to getting behind the wheel, so unlike rideshare, prior to getting behind the wheel, our criminal background checks will be complete. Child abuse registries are, are, are complete. You know, additionally, our, our vehicles do have cameras, and cameras are uh, admissible in court, so that if there's any incident, uh, you know, that is something that, uh, you know, that can be looked at uh, by police as well. You know, I'll go as far as to say we do have some existing policies. So zero tolerance for any allegation of impropriety where, where drivers are immediately suspended without pay. Um, but certainly uh, we understand the discomfort that women feel in this city. And, um, uh, you know, I fully expect that the, the Community Advisory Council, you know, will be, will be, looking, will be looking at that. 
That is Scott McFadden, spokesperson for the Winnipeg Community Taxi Coalition, in conversation yesterday with Julie Buckingham and Richard Cloutier on the news on what the Winnipeg Community Taxi Coalition refers to as the taxi advantage. Now, Greg Mackling, co-host of Mackling and McGarry in the Morning, is standing outside right now, waiting for the tap car. Is it here? No. (laughs) I've been charged for it. And uh, now I've tried to request a second car. It's telling me something about you need a certain amount of money on my account. It won't even accept a booking from me right now. So uh, my initial interaction with Tapcar is less than satisfying. I have paid $15.21 for a ride to Tim Hortons to get some steep tea. And all I got is cold hands. Yeah, you didn't even put on your jacket. You're just wearing your hoodie. Well, I figured I'd just come out here and, uh, you know, based on the GPS and the fact that they'd accept my booking and that they were on their way to come pick me up, I figured I was safe to do so. So, uh, I guess we're, uh, I guess we're out of luck here, Brett McGarry. Oh, wait, here's the car. Well, we have about 60 (laughs) seconds. What does the GPS and the app say? Like, where is it showing this person? Well, here, our technology is letting us down a little bit, too. I'm on my phone right now, so if you'll bear with me, hopefully I don't get disconnected here, Brett. Okay. I'm looking at my Tapcar app, and it's telling me 22 minutes away for a car, and as I mentioned, it won't even let me book a car right now. It's saying something I need a certain amount of money on my account, so I'm throwing up my hands here, bud. I'm coming back inside. Yeah, it's cold. 22 minutes. Okay, that's it. Thanks, Greg. Greg Mackling has been standing outside for 15 minutes waiting for this car that was supposed to arrive at 6.58. Every new service has uh, some bumps in the road. Before we bring Jeff Braun in to discuss Couch Potatoes business, important Couch Potatoes affairs, Greg Mackling has been playing with his phone for the last 30 minutes, trying to figure out what is happening with his tap car. If you're just tuning in, Greg downloaded the Tap Car ride-sharing app this morning, ordered a ride, which was to come at 6.58. They sent him a receipt for the $15 they charged him, and no car showed up. Yep, they told me at 6.38 that my car was on its way. At 6.41, I got a receipt for $15 for a ride that I didn't take. I tried to rebook a car at 7 o'clock. With zero success, it told me I'd have a certain amount of money on my account. I've given them a credit card. I've double-checked the available balance on that credit card. More than enough. So I've sent them a complaint, and I've posted to Twitter. I'll keep you in the loop. All right. So in the meantime... That's just lovely, isn't it? <laughs> Jeff Braun's here. Couch Potatoes. Saturdays at noon, Sundays at 6 p.m. on podcast, Google Play, and iTunes. We're going to talk Oscar predictions in a moment, but uh, Jeff, why don't we spend a couple of minutes? I've pulled some clips from the two movies. Oh, What's yeah. coming out this weekend? Uh, Jennifer Lawrence stars in something called Red Sparrow. There could be no witnesses. So they gave me a choice die or become a sparrow. What's Red Sparrow? Uh, I think it's like a spy thriller type thing where she plays a spy thriller. 
lady. Who's she? <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence? Jennifer Lawrence. She plays a Russian. <laughs> That's a great description. I love it. <laughs> it works, doesn't it? That's pretty much it's it. That's exactly what it sounds like. You didn't like. need to bring him in here for that. I could have given you that. <laughs> hey, the next one's even dumber. Okay, what's it called? Death Wish. Tonight, we review an aging Charles Bronson in Death Wish 9. I wish I was dead. Okay. Oy. Maybe that's not from the... <laughs> no, it's a, it's a reboot starring Bruce Willis. Dead Wish Mom. The men who did it are out there. So there's nothing that you can do? Is that what you're saying? If a man really wants to protect what's his... I want to buy a gun. He has to do it for himself. Yeah. I read the temperature of the country, Bruce Willis. This is not the time for a movie like this, is it? Yeah, and it's got to 16% on Rotten Tomatoes. 50, Ouch. And 52% for Red Sparrow. Okay, so Oscars. Which one do you think is going to win Best Picture? I think Three Billboards is still going to win. All right. This reporter, for one, hopes this finally puts an end to the strange saga of the Three Billboards outside. It not put an end to but this is just a start. Why don't you put that on your Good Morning Missouri wake-up broadcast? Oh, she's a really pleasant woman. That movie is rated R, by the way. <laughs> it won the Producers Guild Award. They say that's usually the best predictor. Uh, so I think Three Billboards got the heat. If it doesn't, maybe The Shape of Water or uh, an outside chance for uh, Get Out that a lot of people are sort of clamoring for. Yeah, I was surprised to see many pundits predicting that it could very well be Get Out because there's a theory. The way that the, the balloting works is... A movie doesn't win until it has 50% right. of the vote, so I guess as, they, as movies get eliminated, the theory is that all the second-place people will vote for Get Out. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like uh, leadership conventions in Canada. That's yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. That's a very sort of cursory. Okay, but you have you managed to see all nine of yep. these Best Picture nominees, and we'll go into this more on the Couch Potatoes this weekend, right. but uh, care to rank the, the nine nominees? Just run them right down? Yeah. Here I go. Lady Bird, number one. Okay. Followed by The Shape of Water. Okay. Phantom Thread. Uh-huh. Get Out. Yeah. The Post. Dunkirk. And Call Me By Your Name. Three Billboards and then Darkest Hour. So Three Billboards, the one that you think is going to win Best Picture, you have it ranked number eight in yeah. the Best Picture category. Hey, I've been lucky. The last two years, my favorite movies won each time. So that almost never happened before that. So like. You can, you can't have everything you want. Well, and that's the, the fact that there were... Both of those were upsets, right? What were the last two Best Picture Moonlight ones? and Spotlight. So Moonlight defeated La La Land. Yeah. And, and then Spot- Spotlight beat... The Revenant. And this year, it's completely... It's wide open. Yeah. it's it, There's literally... Also, you know, it wouldn't surprise me a whole lot if Dunkirk or Lady Bird or Darkest Hour won. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it's very wide open. It's nice to see that because it's kind of gotten predictable over the last few years. There's yeah. always, usually what happens is there's a front runner and then there's a backlash against that front runner yep. and then people start rooting for another one and then there's a backlash against that but <laughs> it just go goes back, back to and the forth. front runner. Yeah. But, uh, it's all, but it's all perceived, right? Because nobody knows who these people are actually voting for. We never learn what the score is at the end of it, like who won by how, like how much they won by or what came in second. So it's all, you know, best guessing at best. Just make sure to set some extra time on your PVR because my recording last year uh, ran out uh, about five minutes before the end. And that's when all the fun happened. No kidding. The last two minutes of the Oscars last year was the most exciting in the 89 previous years. It might've been the best exciting and most exciting (laughs) Television of the year, bar none. When they 
called the wrong movie when they called La La Land, and in fact, it was Moonlight. Hopefully, Warren ba- Beatty and Faye Dunaway make an appearance as presenters again. Oh, how much you want to bet they're presenting the very last award? I'd like to see that. Yeah, I, I feel think so because they took a lot of heat for that, and yeah. it wasn't their fault. Yeah, um, I mean, it was the, a little bit Warren Beatty's fault. Well, kind he of knew something was up, and he just gave her the envelope, and he's like, "Here, you make a you embarrass yourself." He's well, a he, feminist. He's I think he panicked. <laughs> I think he probably panicked. He I probably didn't so. know what to do. Uh, anyway, yeah, Jeff Braun, thank you very much. Couch potatoes again, noon tomorrow. He's also got uh, reviews of Game Night, which recently opened, and it's funny, and Darkest Hour, which he just saw this week. We're going to talk about something whose uh, well, I'm hoping that whose time has come in light of yesterday's global news. Story on the continued degradation of the Arlington Street overpass and the plans to replace that aging structure in the next handful of years. We wanted to revisit a conversation we began a few weeks ago. The replacement for the Arlington Street overpass, which is clearly long overdue, will cost over $300 million. That project has undergone a series of public consultations and preliminary designs. These large dollar value investments surrounding, or in this case going over rail infrastructure, have us once again asking about the genuine logistics involved in relocating the CPR CPR yards located right in the center of our city. Sal Burroughs, longtime active in our community on a variety of different issues, has now joined us this morning. He is the chair of the Point Douglas Residence Committee and is involved with the Rail Yard Relocation Project. Mr. Burroughs, thanks for joining us this morning. It's great to be here. Well, you have a distinguished co-chair and a distinguished list of participants on this committee cell. Has a study or investigation like you're proposing to do and you're essentially starting here ever been done before? Not that we're aware of. Uh, The Social Planning Council put together quite a detailed uh, preliminary proposal uh, back in 2012, and uh, others have looked at it. Art DeFair, the owner of Palliser Furniture, has done a lot of work on uh, some of the research. But no one has proposed doing a full feasibility study. And as we talk about the potential, the vision of replacing the CPR yards, that divider between North and South Winnipeg, we realize that uh, most of the problems that people talk about are problems that have never been looked at in Winnipeg, but have been looked at other places. We run into, uh, oh, it's too expensive. And I say, and I have to say, somebody in government called me up and said, Sal, do you know about the Rail Yard Relocation Fund in Ottawa? And I said, no. Uh, And this is what's really neat when you've got a vision and people want to be part of it. Well, supposedly there is a a uh, long-established fund that pays 50% of all urban rail line relocations. So uh, Charles Huband, who's my co-chair, is now working with uh, Jim Carr and others to work on the details of this. Well, my next question is actually for you, Greg. You're a numbers guy. It's it's a two-pronged question. What's it going to cost to do Arlington Bridge? Uh, between three and $400 million. So then what would it cost to, for Marion, which is uh, Marion and Archibald? That's CP. Well, and that whole proposal, if they went with the original one they put on, was about $400 million for that interchange. And what would it cost, sell to get the rail yard to move the yards out? Well, the worst number that's thrown around is $2 billion. And, of course, if the rail line relocation fund pays half, uh, we're looking at 
uh, coming up with a billion dollars over 20 years. So uh, not much more than the combined cost of these two other projects I just referenced. That and, and quite a few others that are related to it. And of course, we, we have to keep in mind that all those other projects are tri-level agreements. And yes. So there's federal money involved in those, so they wouldn't be instant, automatic, no. 100% savings, but no. the numbers are dramatic. And the difference between a billion and $2 billion is also very dramatic. So I, w- I would say that it's critical that we get to a real number, a genuine number of what this would cost. A lot of people will ask, Sel, would the land be good for anything, even if it was cleared of the rail lines? Well, we have two responses because we know there's massive pollution there. And two responses, uh, there used to be a 100-acre CPR yard in Montreal, which is now an upscale uh, urban development. That was the same level of pollution. And of course, we do say, uh, guys, have you been to the Forks? Uh, That was the CNR yards of the same vintage. These are real issues. We are not trying to say this is going to be an easy project, but we need to have a feasibility study. We need to have a serious study with the top experts and bring the population of Winnipeg who have a vision to talk about, hey, how, how can this be done? What will it cost? What will it take to do it? And then we'll have some real facts to work with rather than speculation. How critical is it that we answer this question before work begins on a new Arlington overpass or other projects that would be unnecessary if the yards are moved. Okay, there are people on our committee that have more technical skills than I have, uh, and they're telling me that the, the, the juxtaposition of timing is, is going to be crucial, that we get moving on the feasibility study quite quickly. We're hoping we're going to be meeting with city councillors and hopefully the mayor very shortly. The initiative needs to come from the city of Winnipeg to get this feasibility study going. We're in contact with the CPR, not formally yet, and we're very encouraged by the response uh, of the province saying that uh, if the city wants to work with this, they're wide open to it. The issue now is, can Winnipeg think big enough? Can we think about getting rid of this divider between the north end and the south end, making it a vital new part of our city? You know, on the list of uh, folks on this uh, committee are is distinguished from top to bottom. Uh, the names I recognize, Lloyd Axworthy, Gino Distasio, David Northcott, uh, Hazel Boris, uh, the late Marty Dolan was involved in this project, Brent Bellamy, who's a huge uh, uh, friend of our show, Damon Johnston, uh, probably very active on the social side of this. I understand you've heard from my uncle who wants to get involved. A shout out to yeah. Uncle yeah. Al this yeah. morning. Uh, Part of the the other part of this issue, Sal, that I, I posed to you yesterday when we were having a conversation, was does this risk? And I have a feeling that this might have been part of the apprehension in the in the eighties and the nineties about this. Does there is there a risk of CPR reexamining altogether its relationship with Winnipeg because they do employ a lot of people here, uh, including at the Western Shops? Yes, and it's a very important employer. We believe that the vision of Centerport, what we're trying to do in Winnipeg, and some of the visionaries who've looked at Winnipeg becoming a transportation hub all the way to Mexico and east and west, that in fact, uh, we will get CPR expanding their their uh, involvement in Winnipeg. Any big vision, any big project has all sorts of potential difficulties. And one has to be aware of those difficulties, but able to deal with them as they come along. And uh, just like the 
fact that there may that there's a lot of pollution there and has to be dealt with. And thank goodness, in since the forks was done, the methodologies are better. Sal Burroughs, thank you for this. Brett, I have a feeling that this might be the next thing that everybody says we can't do, that we, if we put our nose to the grindstone, we just might be able to pull this off. Yeah, we should at the very least look at it. So good for you and good for the rail yard relocation project for looking into this. Sal Burroughs is co-chair of the project and chair of the Point Douglas Residence Committee. One, two, three. Right now, it is time for Three Things with Shanalee Vidal, and today it is Three Things to Look Forward to this weekend. Hi, Shanalee. Good morning, Brett. Good morning, Greg. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, Shanalee. Do you have $15.21 for me? <laughs> I'm sorry. The tap car. Tap car. We are reaching out to our friends at Tap Car to find out if you have a situation and an experience like I had this morning, how do you resolve it? We understand it's the first day. Uh, it's maybe a good thing I had the experience that I did, and uh, we'll, we'll sort this out. But uh, please uh, keep it locked to 680CGOB as we try and sort things out. Shanalee's here to tell us about three things to look forward to this weekend. Is snow on your list? <laughs> Unfortunately, well, snow is on my is on my list, but I'm not going to be talking about that because I want to talk about fun things this weekend. Okay, sounds great. Okay, so the circus is in town, and so you can run away and join the circus without uh, without ever having to leave leave your home city. There's a group of performers in Winnipeg, clowns, jugglers, contortionists that make up the Winnipeg Circus Club, and every year they put on a showcase to uh, to show everyone their feats of strength, skill, coordination, and that's happening Sunday afternoon at 2.30 p.m. at Jubilee Place. That's within the MBCI school campus, right at the bottom of the Disraeli Freeway as it turns into Henderson, and it's only going to cost you 10 bucks. And if you want more info on how to join the circus, just uh, check out the Winnipeg Circus Group Facebook page. Cool. Circus. Yeah, circus. Clowns. Circus. Clowns, and especially if you're not uh, afraid of clowns, so... Yeah. Are you afraid of clowns, Greg? No. It's sharks. Clowns. Sharks. Sharks. Okay. Shark. So, dressed as a clown, I'd be afraid of that for so sure. So for number two, <laughs> I'm, I, I, I know you both are probably going to be trying this one, as am I. going to be staying up late to watch the Oscars on Sunday to mm. stay to the, the bitter end. Of course, they are hosted again by Jimmy Kimmel. Now, last year, I went to bed five minutes before the big Best Picture snafu when everyone thought that La La Land won. I'm sorry. No. There's a mistake. There's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. Moonlight won. Come on, I, this is not a joke. Come this up. is not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. Whoops. This is not a joke. Moonlight has won Best Picture. How embarrassing. Yeah. I felt so bad for Warren Beatty. Yeah. So I'm sure those cards are going to be triple checked this year and make sure that nothing like that happens. Now, at the Golden Globes, we saw everyone wearing black attire in honor of the Time's Up movement. Yep. We're probably not going to be seeing this year. I, I've uh, seen that they're, they're saying uh, the Time's Up movement is saying that they, there's no dress code that they have for, that they are suggesting for the Oscars. Now, the Time's Up movement has already amassed $21 million U.S. to help pay for the legal bills of a to help pay the legal bills for victims of discrimination. And uh, it could be an awkward time on the red carpet, though, because Ryan Seacrest is set to be there with E, and he does have some allegations of sexual misconduct against him, which he is denying. And uh, so it's going to be interesting to see if uh, E does end up pulling him or if he does go through on the red carpet and if celebrities talk to him or if they snub him. Yeah, because what happened with E is they did a full investigation a few months ago. Then it was a lengthy investigation, and they 
cleared him mm-hmm. of any wrongdoing. So it's almost like they have to double down and stick by their own word. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, because if they do anything, then they're saying their investigation uh, wasn't sufficient, right, and yeah. failed. What is really upsetting to the alleged victim mm-hmm. here is that Seacrest went a step further and wrote an article that talked about how he was falsely accused and the ramifications of that, of him being falsely accused. So uh, this story has many layers to it. One of those will play out on the red carpet on Sunday night. So number three, speaking of Oscars, we were talking earlier about the the nominees and how it can be difficult to see some of those lesser known films because they do have a limited run. Sometimes they don't even come here. And uh, one of the nominees for Best Animated Feature, something I'm sure you've never heard of, it's called The Breadwinner. And it's a Canada-Ireland-Luxembourg production directed by Nora Toomey with Angela Jolie as the executive producer. And you have a chance to see that film this weekend at Cinematheque. Now, here's the description. It sounds really good. It's based on Deborah Ellis's best-selling novel. Tells the story of Parvana. She's an 11-year-old girl growing up in Afghanistan in 2001 under Taliban rule. Her father is, is wrongfully arrested, so she disguises herself up as a boy to support her family. And then she draws from the stories that her father told her as a father told her to risk her life to find out if she's still alive. And here's a clip. If there are women Papa. present, cover yourselves now! Where is he being taken? To prison. Papa! It will be alright. It's getting excellent reviews, and I think I'm going to be checking that one out this weekend. You can see it at Cimitech at 100 Arthur Street tomorrow and Sunday at 3 p.m. and 7 p.m., and then there's going to be additional times throughout until next weekend. Well, thank you for pointing out, because we lamented this at 6.45 when we were having coffee talking, that a lot of times there's, there, there's that bit, well, not... A lot of times in every Oscar ceremony, there's that chunk in the middle where it's all the documentaries and the documentary short and live action short and animated short and foreign language film. And I would like to see many of these, particularly the shorts, but I never know where to to watch them. But Cinematheque is the kind of place that does present a lot of these films. So thank you for pointing that out uh, to us and to our listeners. Yeah, I look for I will let you know how it was and. I might have to change my best picture, best animated picture choice on my Oscar ballot. Oh, well, when's the deadline for that? I don't know. I think I think by the time I leave work today. Yeah, I think producer Kyle runs a tight, tight ship on that. My kids were actually telling me about this film the other really? day. I don't know if they've seen it because it must be available online or something. Or they saw the trailer and they were talking about this in school. And, you know, I try to listen intently as I can um, when my kids are talking to me. But I didn't realize that this movie was nominated for an Academy Award and uh, that Angelina Jolie was involved. So this uh, movie's already having uh, impacts uh, in our community. So this is awesome. Can't wait to get your review on it on uh, Monday, Shanley. Shanley Vidal, host of Three Things, heard after the 8 o'clock news on 680 CJOB. Safe to say the award does not go to Tap Car this morning, Greg? I'm speechless about this experience. We're reaching out to Tap Car to find out uh, what the heck happened. I booked a car. I put the app on my phone. I booked a car for 658. I got an acknowledgement that had been dis- dispatched and been, uh, I guess, uh, approved or received by the driver. And then when I went out to go get it, uh, all of a sudden I had a receipt for a 
a ride that I never got. 15 bucks you were charged. 1521. Oh, yes. 21's very important. So we've reached out, I've tweeted out uh, copies of my uh, digital interaction on my uh, Twitter account, GMAC uh, Winnipeg, G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G, if you want to see those. And as I mentioned, we've reached out to Tapcar to find out how we resolve this, because I've sent them an email uh, over an hour and a half ago to find out exactly what happened, yet to hear a response. Yeah, and I see that uh, Tap Car has been active on the social media this morning for some positive interactions they've had today, but in uh, less than positive interaction that you've had, uh, silence so far. So we do hope to hear from them this morning and find out. Because this, in a way, has maybe a good thing because it presents the questions, well, what do you do if you need to cancel the ride? Or how do you seek a refund in this instance? Uh, because let's say you can't didn't need the ride anymore, but like that they were on their way, but you suddenly didn't need the ride. Somebody offered to give you ride, whatever, and then you need to cancel it. How do you cancel something that's already been booked and paid for, and there's no option for it? Right. So uh, obviously uh, a glitch or two there. And hey, I admit it. I'm of the age where I'm pretty good with the digital technology, but maybe I did something wrong and uh, we can all learn from what I did wrong uh, through this experience uh, this morning. So uh, uh, we're not trying to throw stones here, but casting a little bit of doubt on on the whole system here to a certain extent. Manitoba Liquor and Lottery is inviting you to have some fun with the Academy Awards. Manitoba's gambling site, playnow.com, will have fun Oscar novelty bets. To tell us more, we are joined live on 680 CJOB by Angie Gill, who is from playnow.com. Angie, good morning to you. Good morning. So how many categories do you have to bet on for the Oscars? Well, there are over 25 categories to bet on on playnow.com, and that ranges from everything from best picture to best makeup and hair. And we even have a special novelty bet that uh, well, has our players predicting how long the longest acceptance speech. <laughs> oh, I love those prop bets in particular for the Super Bowl and for uh, other sporting events, right? The ones that are kind of outside of the game but uh, garner a lot of interest and, and intrigue. Are there other proposition bets like that? Uh, well, right now we just have the one, but we found that our players like to focus, especially for the Oscars, they like to focus specifically on the categories and what's being offered on that side. So we've kept it kind of limited uh, for the Oscars compared to the Super Bowl. So the as far as the acceptance speech is concerned, do you, have you already selected uh, a variety of people to choose from or is it just sort of, uh, yeah, how does that work? Well, right now, it's actually just based on length. It's not based on any winner. So the options are that the longest speech will be less than a minute. Then there's an option that says between one minute and two minutes, another one between uh, two to three, and then the longest being uh, more than four minutes. Okay. And right now, we've got about uh, four minutes as the favorite on playnow.com. Does that include, and I'm trying to remember now, if the Oscars does a Lifetime Achievement Award, but does that, if there is some sort of a special award, typically those speeches go a bit longer. So does that not, does that, uh, how does that work? Uh, well, it includes, it, I, think, it be, I believe it includes all of the speeches combined. So it's not split on any category. It's just whatever speech will be the longest. Because we see a lot of times when uh, people are, or when celebrities are accepting their speeches, they do sometimes go longer. And uh, they sometimes have to blow that horn to get them to calm down, but they still <laughs> speak over. So um, it seems like this is a popular category and this is something that our players wanted to see. So we offered it uh, for in our novelty section this year. Uh, Angie, uh, you know, let's be honest. Uh, a lot of us have if not most of us haven't seen 
even all the best picture nominees. In fact, in our building, we could only find one person who's done that. Uh, and I uh, suspect that the proportion in the general public is is pretty uh, similar, that maybe one out of 10 people have seen all of these best picture films. But we all like to have an opinion on who we think would win, either based on whether we've seen the movie or not, but based on whether we like the star, we're a fan of the star, or maybe we're betting or voting a, and cheering against someone. Yeah, so on playnow.com, our players are actually divided up until a couple of days ago on who would win the most amount of Oscars. Now, The Shape of Water has 13 nominations, and it's pretty much favor the heavy the heavier favorite to take home the most Oscars. But when it comes to winning Best Picture, playnow.com players have their money on three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. And what that translates into that right now, a $10 bet on this movie would return $19 should it go on to win on Sunday. All right. Angie Gill, hey, thanks for this. We appreciate you taking the time to talk to us on 680-CJOB. No worries. It was a pleasure. All right. Angie Gill is with PlayNow.com, Manitoba's gambling website where you can bet on the Oscars. And the question of the day pertains to this as well. How many of the Oscar Best Picture nominees have you seen? Six or more? That's Jeff Braun category, co-host of The Couch Potatoes. He's seen all nine. Between three and five? One or two? I'm ashamed to say that that's mine. I've only seen two. Am Jeff, I? Jeff and I tend to divide, we tend to divide and conquer. Uh, have I actually seen more of the Best Picture nominations than you, Brenda yeah, Gary? That's right. My word. The other option is none. Question of the day for Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. Get two quotes before you call them. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness at 204 832 6243. We're joined now by our colleague from Global Television, Mitch Rossett is, uh, well, he's sort of in the house. He's virtually in the house. Uh, the Blue Bombers Winter Special brought to you by Mark's CFL Week coming up this weekend on Global Television. Mitch, what's going on, man? It's going good. This is a fun little project that we got to put together the last couple of weeks, and I'm uh, I'm excited to showcase it tomorrow night, six thirty o'clock, of course, on uh, on Global News uh, to the rest of the Bomber fans, to so the west of Winnipegers, to kind of give this unique off-season look at the team and the facility and all that good stuff around football. Yeah, you got to go behind the scenes and go places where uh, even those of us with press credentials don't often get to go. <laughs> what the yeah. heck? Yeah, they often close many doors around the stadium during the season. We're allowed into a few unique areas, the, the locker room after games and some practices. But this one, we got all access to the stadium. We got to go inside the team's training room, the film room, uh, more into the locker room to poke around. And we share that with the viewers this weekend. Uh, all part of the Blue Bombers Winter Special brought to you by Mark CFL Week. A fantastic jam-packed 30-minute show with uh, many different segments as well, too. Some unique uh, player kind of looks as well. Now, Mitch, I was mentioning before we brought you on that one of the highlights for me was being on the sidelines as part of the broadcast team on the night the Blue Bombers came back against uh, the Montreal Alouettes, Andrew Harris scoring the game-winning touchdown as the Bombers came all the way back from a 20-point deficit. You got to work out with Andrew Harris? <laughs> you call it working out. Harris calls it working out. I call it crying in the corner of the gym and hoping the pain goes away. <laughs> this was intense. I joined him for one of his uh, off-season workouts. We say off-season, but Andrew Harris does not rest during the off-season. It was a circuit. It was a couple exercises, both going from weights and cardio and weights and cardio. And I like to consider myself a fit guy. I like to run. I've done half marathons. I go to the gym regularly. Uh, 
I almost threw up after this thing and had to take a seat. We were supposed to do it five times. I did it once and tapped out. It was that intense. And Andrew, he's like, all right, I'm going to go uh, work out for another hour and a half, two hours. He's that in shape right now. <laughs> so you're able to complete this. How long did this circuit last? Uh, well, for TV purposes, I got a few more breaks than I should have, uh, just because we had to reposition the camera. But Andrew was not letting me go down. I asked for a little breaker, like, hey, can we lower the weights? And he's like, no, we're working today, man. You're in the gym. We're going all out. And he's throwing more weights onto the squat machine or to the bench press machine. Like, no, please give me a break. Like, mercy, please. But no, it was super fun. A unique look to see what these guys do to prepare for the season because they can't just wake up in, in June or July right before the first game and say, all right, time to go play football. They have to put in hours of work in the gym, hours of training just so they could be the best. So you also got to spend some time with Matthias Gosen, uh, who is from originally from BC. Yeah, this was a, a cool perspective. Uh, of course, you know, many of these football players are from outside of Manitoba, outside of Winnipeg. And usually when the second the season is done, they pack up their bags and head home. But not for Matthias Gosen, who, who now calls Winnipeg his home. He and his wife have been living here for about three years now, uh, full time, embracing themselves in the city, in the community, and it's something that they chose to do shortly after getting married. It's never fun to move every six months, and you can't really settle down anywhere, you can't really put any roots, because if you're home for six months, and you come here for six months, you really don't have a home. You're sort of just moving every <laughs> half year, so it was really important for us to have a good community here, and we've met so many great people here, and it's really made Winnipeg that much better by giving it the whole year, and although the winter is a little bit colder than BC, it still has been an amazing time. It's pretty heartening no. to hear, uh, Mitch, that he's just sort of embraced the community. And he, when I was watching that footage as I pulled that tape, and there was a, a genuine happiness uh, on his face, and you could definitely see it in his eyes that he was not saying it just to play nice for the camera. No, and this is a guy, and you could tell just what he does during the off season. He doesn't sit at home, go from gym to home, and, and kind of hide and and hope to to weather out the winter. He fully embraces himself inside the community. Not only does he do uh, provide anti-bullying and domestic violence abuse talks to schools across the province. He's actually up north right now providing those talks to kids in Thompson and in other northern communities, but he also works with minor football programs as well as his church youth group. When you're involved in the community, it makes it that much more fun and that much more fulfilling to really get involved with things and get to know people. We met a lot of great friends being in Winnipeg now, and it definitely does feel weird going home because Winnipeg is our home now. Mitch, you know, it is it's it is heartening to see those that come from afar. I mentioned Doug Brown earlier this morning, and uh, Doug has obviously settled down in Winnipeg, become a very large part, uh, physically and literally, part of the <laughs> community here in Winnipeg. Uh, considers himself a Winnipegger. You've got Maurice Leggett, who uh, signed a contract, one-year extension, uh, just before the free agency deadline. So it's not only Manitobans like Keenan LaFrance and Nick Dembski and Andrew Harris that are called calling Winnipeg home because this is home originally for them. It's people and players from British Columbia like Gosen, like Doug Brown, and from the United States like Maurice Leggett. Yeah, you can even add Faith Akakati to that list when we were at Elite uh, Performance uh, working out with Andrew Harris. The amount of bombers that were, were training there, not just the Winnipeggers, the Manitobans, but those from outside uh, was eye-opening. Faith still has an Iowa license plate from his mm -hmm. college days, and he's calling this place home. It's, it's nice to see that these guys are embracing the city as a whole and, and want to discover it. Uh, I know we talked to Matthias Gosen. We've talked to Matt Nichols in the past about 
how they love kind of discovering the province. They've been up to Gimli. They spend their weekends up in Hecla. Things that we do as fans, they're doing it right there. They're probably in the next campsite or the next cottage over or even enjoying that ice cream up in Gimli just right beside you. They want to see this province as a whole and take the opportunity to kind of get to know it and get to know their fans just that much better. I can't believe I forgot Matt Nichols on that list and there are probably many others who got to read with Faith Akakadi mm-hmm. earlier this week. Great guy, will be a great long-term ambassador and I noticed that Iowa license plate on his vehicle as well. Mitch, give us the 30-second elevator pitch on uh, your special coming up on global tv tomorrow well as mentioned blue bombers winter special brought to you by mark cfl we go 6 30 on saturday evening it's a unique off-season look at both the players and the team's facility we mentioned uh chatting with matthias gosin the workout with andrew harris we also have a one-on-one chat with the cfl commissioner about the challenge of growing the game here in canada plus a roundtable discussion with ed tate from the bombers our own doug brown breaking down the off-season moves and kind of taking a look at what should be an exciting season. All right, Mitch Ross, thank you very much for joining us this morning, sir. Have a good weekend. You too. Take care. All right. So this uh, Akakati, did I say that yes, correctly? Faith Akakati. Faith Akakati from Iowa. Was he a Hawkeye? He was an Iowa Hawkeye. You got it. Okay. I well used to, done. I used to have an Iowa Hawkeyes hat in the mid-90s when you could actually buy American University team stuff everywhere right. when, because of the Fab Five kind of made college sports a big deal around here. So you could Michigan, get Michigan, of course. You could get Michigan Wolverine stuff, Notre Dame, Florida State, Seminoles, Iowa Hawkeyes, whatever you wanted. Georgia Tech, uh, Georgia Tech, uh, yellow, yellow jackets. jackets. Yellow jackets. I well was going to say blue jackets, but I remembered <laughs> I made that mistake last time. But I had an Iowa Hawkeyes hat that I wore so often that the, the, the snapback part cracked. So I had to use uh, hockey tape to keep it together. I, I wore that thing like well beyond expiry date. It was gross and sweat-stained and yucky. Well, uh, Iowa has this incredible uh, ritual now that they started this year. They've built a brand new children's hospital right next to the football stadium on campus. Yep. And on the 8th or ninth floor, the uh, during and before uh, the Iowa games on Saturdays, they gather these kids around, which uh, it's essentially like an observation deck. And at the first stoppage in the first quarter, the entire stadium turns around. Oh my God. And waves at the kids that are up in the observation deck <laughs> at this children's hospital. It is quite the sight to see. That is, uh, that's really touching. Right now, Greg, an old friend. Of uh, of ours here uh, with Maclean McGarry, and she's getting older in front of our very eyes here. Reese Precourt is in the studio. How, how many is this, Reese? Is this uh, how many bake sales is this? This is the fourth sale. Unbelievable, Reese Precourt. Reese's Pieces takes place tomorrow at the Sherwin Williams store, Unit Five. Oh, next Saturday. Next Saturday. Yeah. Okay, thank goodness. Mark your books, guys. Okay, it says <laughs> tomorrow in my notes, and so I'm relieved to know that it's next Saturday at the Sherwin-Williams location, Unit yeah. 5, 756, Pembina Highway, and the money goes to an incredible cause. Uh, before we tell you which cause it is, how much have you raised over... Four years, Reese. Four years and three sales. We've raised $13,000. Absolutely incredible. Congratulations to you on that. Thank you. Talk about how this started. Well, in grade eight, I had to do a community service project, and um, I love baking. I had the idea of a bake sale, and it only grew from there. First year, we raised, I think, a little over $5,000, and um, I didn't know how much that was worth back in grade eight, so that was pretty amazing. And uh, then again, in grade nine, I believe we had our second sale. And yeah, like I said, just grew from there. And now we're on our 
our fourth sale, and uh, yeah, it's I can't believe the amount of people who've helped me out with this. I want to shout out Food Fair, Husni Zeed uh, from the Lilac location. You have been so amazing at helping us out. Thank you, and uh, we're having satellite sales at every food fair in the city. Wow. So it's not just cool. one location now. Yeah, we're trying to expand to everybody so you guys don't have an excuse to not come out and support us. <laughs> <laughs> and the Zs are uh, great partners of ours and a- incredible people, very active in the community. So which community organization are you supporting with your work? Reese? Lighthouse Mission. They are our, uh, they're our home right now, I'd say. Well, they have been our home for, for like four years. Jalen Johnson has been my best buddy for... Four years, and um, I just, I love helping them out. I really do. Why do you like, uh, why did you partner up with Lighthouse Mission? Well, back in the day, well, four years ago, my, my so dad. So long da- ago. You're so old now. My God. <laughs> well, I was 13. I'm 17 now. So it, it's a big time for me. Um, <laughs> I started, my dad, uh, he owns his business, uh, Color Scheme Professional Painters, and uh, he was donating his time redoing their kitchen, doing some painting there. And um, at the time, I didn't know what I was going to put the money towards my bake sale for my project. And I ended up going with Lighthouse because of his connection there. And the love only grew from there. Good. Now, so then last year you had, uh, you, you, you basically tripled what you'd done in previous years, right? Yeah. Our first year was 5000 And then last year we did just over $6,000, which like I said, is an insane amount of money. I'm so, so thankful to everyone in Winnipeg who supported me with, with this throughout the years, and and I can't wait to see what's next. What are you baking? We are baking everything. We're baking cupcakes. We're baking cookies. I made some cake drops a couple days ago. We're making brownies. So What's a, what's a cake drop? Cake drop is um, you bake the cake, and then you crumble it all up. You put it back together, basically in a ball, and then you dip it in chocolate. I mean... That sounds right, right? Sounds you guys, awful. Doesn't that sound awesome? Yeah. yeah. I've, I've had cake drops before, but I just wanted you to paint that picture because it's, <laughs> it's essentially like taking a cake and then just squishing it. Yes. Right? Yeah. So we're very dense. Very good. Yeah. So it looks smaller, so you don't think you're having as much sugar, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's very wonderful. Reese Precord is in studio with us. Reese's Pieces, the Reese's Pieces Project, next Saturday, Sherwin-Williams store, as well as all the food fair locations, yes. satellite sales. Yes, and something that we're very excited to talk about is Speed World is donating $1 from every sale on that Saturday. So next Saturday, anyone who goes to Speed World and gets a race is going to be donating $1 to uh, our sale. So... If you wow. can't come to the bake sale, go to Speed World. I mean, there's so many ways to help us out here. Now, Reese, uh, your mom and I have been friends for a long time, and we're we're both lamenting the fact that you're graduating from high school, and I can only imagine how your dad's feeling. Uh, you already gave a shout-out to Dan. <laughs> I'll give him one here, too. But um, what are you going to do when you're done high school? I've applied to business at a couple of schools in Canada, and um, I feel like that's a good good road for me. You're asking me a tough question today, Greg. Yeah, well, <laughs> no more softballs. You're 17 now. You yeah, said it yourself. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I've applied to business. That's, uh, that's the dream. It is. Well, so. this has been a really good, uh, I think, uh, growing ground and uh, place for you to, to cut your teeth a little bit. But the idea of giving back... I think a lot of corporations are really wising up to the fact that it's critical that we give back and uh, what better city to do it than Winnipeg. Exactly. Yep. 
All right. Uh, is there any information online that uh, we can access on this? Like a Facebook page uh, or something? Oh, yeah, yeah. Search up Reese's Pieces Project. The hashtag should be up there. And uh, look at my name, Reese Precourt. Go ahead and look that up. And then uh, my mom, Trisha Precourt, as well, will be on there. And uh, you'll be able to find some information on Facebook, Instagram. Look us up, and you can find all that information on there. Did we ask you all the right questions? Anything else you need to get out there? I think that we've covered everything. Reese Precourt, you are a delight. Thank you for doing what you do. Thanks Thank for you. Uh, coming and sharing this story with us. And best of luck next Saturday. Yeah. yeah. All right. It's, it's your the, Reese's Pieces. The Reese's Pieces Project next Saturday. Bake sale Sherwin-Williams at 756 Pembina Highway and at all the food fair stores. Uh, satellite sales through that and all races at Speed World. $1 per race will go towards the bake sale. Yeah. Reese, th- thanks for coming to visit us again. Thank you so much. So yesterday we told you about how the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra is getting ready for the 2018-2019 season, which even includes something to make me and Jeff Braun, the couch potatoes, get up off that couch. Neil Middleton, VP of Marketing and Sponsorship for the WSO, joins us now live on 680 CJOB to tell us more about the new season. Mr. Middleton, good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Brett. Yes, we have some very special guests next year, and uh, <laughs> it's going to be great. You're going to be on stage with the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra. What do you think about that? I'm excited. I'm really excited uh, to get to work alongside Julian Pelicano and to get... It's a, It'll be such a privilege and honor to be on that stage to watch those incredible musicians do what they do, and uh, I can't wait to see the look of disgust on all of their faces when they realize who they're working with, the couch potatoes. Oh, no, 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 no. They're going to be thrilled, and you, you teed it up a little bit there. Uh, it's going to be such a fun show. The music of Star Wars versus the music of Star Trek. Um, I, I, it's it's going to be a blast. Yeah, so that's coming up in February. We're really excited uh, to, for to be a part of that. So thank you for that. Before we get going on the rest of the season, though, we do want to mention that uh, you sent us an email this morning. There's a flash sale for some things happening with the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra. Do you want to give that a plug? I would love to. Um, there is there's a flash sale because this time of year, you know, people are like thinking about getting outside, but there's still some really great concerts coming up at the concert hall. Um, this next weekend on March 9th and 10th, we have our concert master Gwen Hobig and our associate concert master uh, Carl Sobe, just two of the best violinists in the world, uh, as far as I'm concerned, and definitely the best violinists in the city are doing a Bach double concerto. So for the classical lovers, it's going to be a really nice night. And the weekend after that, we're doing a chorus line. Um, the won nine Tony Awards, won a Pulitzer Prize. Uh, it's a, an amazing musical about about the challenge of being a Broadway actor and trying to get uh, trying to get the part. And there's there's so many actually stories in this uh, sub stories in that show. It's the first time it's ever been done with full orchestra. It's always been done with sort of a synthesizer and pit band. We've made parts so that uh, you know you're gonna have the full 67 members of the WSO on stage, and then we've got the stars of Rainbow Stage and dancers from the RWB Recreational uh, School. It's gonna be amazing night, and the star is uh, a lady that I think a lot of Winnipeggers know. Um, an amazing. A uh, person, Catherine Refford, who came from Winnipeg, went on to Stratford, went on to Broadway, had a career on Broadway, um, ended up being diagnosed with the same uh, cancer that um, Gord Downey had. And she's come home so that her family can take care of her, but she's just 
working away and doing all the shows she can. Uh, and uh, she sees sort of the struggle in the show is a little bit of a metaphor for her own life right now. And uh, it's going to be pretty powerful. Uh, Neil, it's Greg Mackling here. And uh, Catherine's story is so powerful. It's beyond inspirational. And uh, uh, this is so heartwarming to know that you've teamed up with her and given her an opportunity, one that she richly deserves to, to help kind of share her story, as you mentioned, sort of in a, in a, in a connected fashion to the overall story that this, uh, that this performance tells. I've always been, and we love talking to the WSO as we have been, our relationship uh, with you has grown so much over the last year and a half or so. I was just so heartened by how the WSO reaches out to people like me who enjoy live music but aren't necessarily into the symphony, but you are making it very easy for me to fall in love with it. Does that make any sense? You know, that's, that's, I'm, I'm glad you're saying that because that's been our mission for really the last five, six years is to make sure that everybody finds um, something that they can enjoy and a reason to, to see the value of having um, a live orchestra of this level in our community. And um, yeah, this, you know, we've got, just to rattle off the other things coming up, we've got Cirque de la Symphony. Um, we've got Alexander Micklethwaite's final Masterworks concert with us in May, uh, which is going to be our farewell Alexander party. Uh, and... Wizard of Oz. We're doing the Wizard of Oz on screen um, with the full orchestra playing underneath. So there's, there's, you know, there's something for everybody still to come this spring um, before we get into what's really a season of blockbusters next year. So the yeah, indeed the Wizard of Oz BMO Night of the Movies, uh, April 21st and 22nd. That uh, event is actually co-sponsored by 680 CJOB and our siblings down the hall, Power 97 and Peggy at 99.1. And I love the. Uh, that's one of my favorite things you guys do is the the movies where you get to watch the movie with a live orchestra and again next year and you can get all the information on the the symphony's new season wso.ca is the website where you can find details on star wars versus star trek as hosted by the couch potatoes I still can't believe I'm saying that. You I guys feel like gonna... I should have been reading that. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. Neil, good on you guys for bringing Jeff and Brett aboard. Their sense of humor and their knowledge on this stuff will uh, blow fans away. What an innovative way uh, to bring these stories to the screen and to the stage and to our cor- orchestral music. I-, I think it's absolutely fantastic. Thanks for that and thanks for this. Well, thanks for having us on, guys. Neil Middleton, VP Marketing and Sponsorship for the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra. Again, all the information on the new season, WSO.ca. We are excited about a special event taking place this weekend that will highlight some of the great local food Manitoba has to offer. The fifth annual Love Local MB. Partial proceeds going to Silo Mission. We are joined in studio by Peter Fair, who is co-founder and host of this event, and he's also the owner of Gourmet Inspirations. Peter, welcome back. Good to see you again, man. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. So this is uh, a sold-out event. We just talked yesterday about a, a one sold-out event. We like promoting. We like being able to discuss the fact that these events are sold out, right? Uh, because like this is a, a thousand guests. Yeah, we had a thousand guests last year. Uh, we turned about a hundred people away at the door. So you better get your tickets quick. There's still a few left. 
Uh, but last year we had about 100 people at the door that we turned away. So it was sad for us to do that, but we just had to. We couldn't. couldn't so plain and simply go online to lovelocalmb.com. That's right. Get your tickets. Don't show up at the venue expecting to get in. It's just not likely to happen. Yeah, exactly. Well, Peter, tell us a little bit about this event, which is obviously incredibly successful. Right. So I'm a chef by trade and was uh, I make sauces. And so I was at the farmer's market in the beginning stages of my business five years ago and just kind of brainstorming how to get some people together, have a fun evening out, maybe some wine and cheese and some music. So I was brainstorming with some of my neighbor vendors uh, how we could do this. And then my neighbor vendor said to me, well, why don't we just use these vendors that we have here, bring them all together and just create this like awesome evening out. And so that's kind of where it all started. It happened pretty organically five years ago. And we just wanted to gather a few people together. And now we're up to 50 vendors and a thousand guests. So it's crazy. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> so the, the press release says, spoil your senses at Winnipeg's premier fifth annual beer, wine and food event. And it happens uh, at Victoria Inn, Wellington Avenue near the airport at 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. tomorrow. And uh, one of the things that uh, I've noticed uh it's just it's like it's almost become a, a cliche, and that's mm. not for me. That's from people sort of in the industry saying, oh, "This is such a tag thing to say," but you know, we love local. Yeah, we, yeah. It, it, like you got <laughs> your community in particular, your industry has come together in a way that I didn't think uh, we we would ever see in this. Right, city. and I've been really surprised by that too. There's quite an attitude of collaboration. Uh, you see that with social media now, people partnering to you know do giveaways, contests. And just even in business in general, people want to help each other out. Like I consider Danny from Danny's Whole Hog quite a, a mentor for myself, and he's been a huge asset to my business and just helping me uh, navigate the industry. And so it's just, yeah, it's awesome. Isn't that one of the more heartwarming things about entrepreneurship is you mm. think, you know, I think there was a point in time where you think you're alone, right? right. And you've got to keep your idea secret. You don't want anybody yeah. to steal yeah. your idea. <laughs> and then you've got to make all these plans. And you're under the impression that you're really genuinely going to be doing it on your own. And then mm. you realize friends and family will get behind you if they right. believe in it. And a lot of times they get behind you even if they don't believe in the product yeah. and right. what you're doing just because they love you and right. they care about about you, and then you'll have people that'll tell you, well, maybe you're not doing the right thing. Yeah. Bottom line is, it's so rewarding when you get out into the mm. community and you realize how much collaboration, use the word, but also caring and mm -hmm. sharing that goes on. I think I just quoted Barney the Dinosaur there, and I apologize. <laughs> but it's true, right? It, it, it is uh, such a powerful mm -hmm. part of the community is that sharing and that and that uh, sharing of, of thought, strategy, ideas. Yeah. And that's what I my vision is with Love Local is I love personally connecting people and helping people. And so I see how I'm doing that with Love Local and just connecting these 50 companies that are at our event and uh, showcasing the awesomeness that exists in Manitoba. So the beverage. gourmet inspirations, by the way, you mentioned that you create sauces. Yeah. What, uh, what have you concocted uh, recently? Right. So I'm the one I'm developing right now. So in the last year I brought her to salted caramel whiskey, which has become my top seller in the last year. Uh, great for ice cream and cheesecake. Last night I was at a networking event. We put it on popcorn and that was awesome as well. Oh yeah. Um, a lot of people like the caramel and the popcorn. Yeah. And so in the next couple of months though, Danny, a client saucer from Danny's Whole Hog and myself, we're uh, co-branding a sauce. And again, talking about collaboration, it's going to be a Peter and Danny sauce. So I actually got myself a caricature made of myself as well. Oh so. my goodness. <laughs> right on. You're heading to the big time, Mr. Fair. <laughs> and it's going to be a local, very local product. It's going to be a Saskatoon berry uh, salad dressing marinade. We haven't fully figured out exactly what the... What kind of sauce it's going to be, but it's going to be some kind of sauce. It's going to be a Peter and Danny sauce. So, yeah. So when you created this event, uh, it sounded like you just wanted to have kind of a fun night out. Yeah. And now it almost sounds like it's more of a convention. Is this, when you first started, mm -hmm. did, you, did you ever envi envision that it would grow to this no, never. size? No, we started at the Winnipeg Winter, our, yeah, the Winnipeg Winter Club with 15 vendors and about 200 guests. And we outgrew the venue the first year. And 
even that first year, I didn't imagine we'd get 200 people at the event. I figured, oh, maybe, you know, 50 to 100 people would be nice. And uh, yeah, so. What do, what do events like this do to celebrate Winnipeg, to celebrate mm. Manitoba? I can only imagine that the conversation is very positive on that front about right. look at what we're doing here. Yeah, for sure. And I would say a big, uh, there's a Manitoba Agriculture's mandate right now is to increase this this industry. And so this huge mandate even coming down from government, come from government for it, but it's also from the consumer level, we're seeing that people want this. And so it's kind of from both ends, from from the policy level, but also from a consumer, consumer level, people are wanted and they love it. So. Well, and there's even, it even goes higher than that in, in terms of health research, mm, right? And the whole sure. idea of what Manitoba flax and what lingonberries mm-hmm. can do. Uh, my relationship with St. Boniface Hospital Research Center, that we're, we're world leaders in in investigating and researching yep. the health benefits of foods that are, that are raised and grown here in Manitoba. Sure. And that will have an... In, incredible effect yeah. down the road on the marketability and the consumption of these products. Yeah, definitely. And my uh, my production facility is actually on a Saskatoon orchard. And so my landlord's a Saskatoon farmer and they're doing research right now on the health benefits of Saskatoon berries. So it's another example of that happening. So Fantastic stuff, yeah. Peter. Yeah, I'm just looking at the list of uh, vendors and many of them are our, our friends. Uh, so mm. we, do, we met you right. uh, when we, it was actually a segment that was pitched by the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce. We met you alongside Corey Poon, right. who owns Sweet Sea Bakery yeah. in Transcona. Aw- right, and she's an awesome story as well. She's uh, a mom of three kids, I believe, and just works super hard and her husband's in the business as well. And so they yeah, just small business, and they work work extremely hard. <laughs> well, I'm actually doing. Uh, I'll be featuring her in a story. Oh, awesome! Next week here cool. on 680 CJOB that we're excited about. They make chocolate Millennium Falcons there, by the way. <laughs> I've seen them; they're incredible. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a, like an Oreo cookie inside. Yeah, it was so, so good. good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought you were gonna give it to me, and you just showed it to me, and then you kind of yeah, you, you kind of put her away. <laughs> I sort of I felt bad about that because I I, I knew as soon as I held it out. That you would think I was giving it was it like to an you. offering, Peter. It, <laughs> it, 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 it was very much like, did you like this yeah. pen? Oh, yeah, oh, I yeah. like that pen. I do yeah. too. I'm going to put it right back in I my pocket. I just wanted to show it to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I only had the one. So, That's Peter, awesome. uh, yeah. tickets are still available for yeah, this? Yeah, there's still a few left. Uh, lovelocalmb.com. Uh, there's VIP passes as well. There's a little bit of an upgraded fee for that, but you get uh, early access uh, admission oh. and uh, unlimited sampling. You can okay. check it all out online as well. Great. Well, hey, thank you so much again. The website, lovelocalmb.com. And what's uh, the website for your business, Gourmet uh, Inspirations? Gourmetinspirations.ca. All right. Peter Fair is the co-founder and host of Love Local MB and owner of Gourmet Inspirations. Thanks for telling us about this. Oh. <laughs> Eve just texted, who makes chocolate Millennium Falcons? <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> One more time. Sweet Sea Bakery in Transcona. They're on Kildare, where Kildare meets McMeans. Uh, it's really cool. So thanks for this, Peter. And it's uh, like a great time. Thanks to Behind the Glass Jerry, Chandelier Vidal. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Mackling. Thank you for listening to 680 CJOB. Yeah.